Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 176th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys today. Anthony is actually back after missing the last two editions of the show with me having interviews, and they were great interviews with Isaac Shade and Michael Norwood. So, guys, if you haven't if you haven't checked those out, just go back into your podcast feed and, and press play because Isaac does a great job giving you some numbers on, on, on where Carolina is and where they're trying to go. And then Michael Norwood provides the player perspective of, of Carolina's struggles and some adjustments he could he could see Hubert Davis making as the season moves along. But we're back today. I see. It was a response. It was a response to me having Michael Coe on. For on Phil Longo's yep. departure night, mm-hmm. I see how it is. But you just go above and beyond. You said that's fine. I'll get. I'll go two for one. Yep. Then you'll see. I'll show you. Um, let's get into the pod thought of days. We're here to break down a really important game against Georgia Tech, and we go to one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time, and that is John Wooden, who won ten titles at UCLA. Uh, And and this quote here really applies to where this Tar Heel team is right now. John was quoted as saying, You can't let praise or criticism get to you. It's a weakness to get caught up in either one. And we heard Hubert Davis tell us all last season that he wanted his team to block out the noise, no uh, sideshow distractions, because there was a lot of criticism coming his team's way. From yours truly, among other people within the fan base. Sure, that was the one that he was most oh, uh, m- most hurt by. I, I mean, I like to think so. Yeah. But, you know, who, who knows? Um, and then this year, it was a lot of praise because Carolina brought back four starters, the overwhelming favorite to win the ACC, preseason number one, and a lot of people expected this team to, even if they, did, even if they don't win the national title, 
get back to Houston. Uh, uh, so that also may have been us. That yeah. are, <laughs> this podcast has very high standards. And, and so it's it's very it's very evident that through nine games, the expectation has completely overwhelmed this team. And look, it was something that I think we were worried about, but we often talk on here because we believe that Carolina is the best college basketball program in the country, that there's always a target on your back. And there is, but this year it's just a lot different with that number one ranking and having to deal with the expectations of others. And while it's really disappointing that Carolina fell out of the top 25 in less than a month, really in less than two weeks, I do think in a lot of different ways this may have been what this team needed. Because for some reason, this this team and this group, they respond better when they're, when they're hunting, when they're on the prowl, when they're having to go out there and prove themselves, as opposed to being the team that everybody is coming after. And that's where they are right now, because everyone is calling this team overrated, a bust. Wow. All of a sudden, there are questions about Hubert Davis and if, if, if he is the right guy for the job or not. Mm. And I think there's now a chip on this team's shoulder that they didn't have when the season started. And hopefully that, that chip will show up against Georgia Tech and this team can start moving in the right direction. Because I don't think we thought in the offseason we'd be sitting here the, the, the second week of December looking at Carolina having basically a must-win as they try to avoid trying 0-2 in ACC play. Oh, absolutely no one saw this coming. If you would have said that they lost three straight, the final two in Portland, and the game against Indiana, I would have said, okay, maybe that could happen. If enough things were to sort of break right for these other teams, I could maybe see that happening. No, I don't think anybody saw what happened the other day happening in that opener. And especially the fact that Carolina had to fight their way back into that game just to make it competitive. So, but here's the other thing. If you would have told me that that was Armando Baycott is is banged up and hurt and you've got two guards that are struggling to shoot the basketball you you probably would have said okay it makes a little bit of sense why they're struggling the problem right now is that you won the first five games of the year I College of Charleston that's a good team a lot of people still really like James Madison and we saw the other night against Virginia why Carolina hasn't beaten a power conference team yet. So that's that's where I think the concern is starting to come in for Carolina fans is hey, we're 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 pretty deep into the season here without beating a legitimate resume opponent. Um this game on you know on Saturday, not against a resume opponent. But it's one that you kind of have to win just to sort of turn things back in the right direction. Because we, we've said it. Now, this year, I don't think it's as difficult because some of the teams that are on the back end of that schedule, some some historic programs like Louisville, like Syracuse. I mean, Louisville could come in there still without a win it's, it, when we face them in that final stretch of the season. They are that bad. Um, but... I think it, it. you looked at this early part of the schedule 
and said, this is where Carolina can really stack wins. That's where they got to start to stack wins in conference play. You've got to start to get some momentum going. And, I mean, you 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 got to be able to find a way to beat one of these non-conference opponents that are a power conference team. It has to happen. You got a couple remaining with with some non-power conference opponents. You got to take care of those. But to me, you've got to find a way to either leave the Michigan game or the Ohio State game with a win. Well, well, it it kind of feels like they're both mo- most wins, and here's why. As of right now, and Carolina still has twenty some odd games left to play. They've got six quad one games on their schedule. And this team is net ranking, came in 39th. How they're 39th doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering their their resume where they haven't beaten a Power 5 school. But it's never too early to start thinking about, you know, um, seeding. Isaac Shea told me he he already sees this team no, no unless they just went out or lose one or two the rest of the way, which isn't really all that feasible. He doesn't see this team being on the one or the two seed line. Already, your, your boy Walker Mail also said that. So, um, you, you know, like when you start thinking about these things, the, the, a, a lot of these games are important. The good news is, mm-hmm. is Carolina has some history having important games against Georgia Tech, which felt important. Both games last year just felt really important for this team to find its footing. And after they beat Georgia Tech down in Chapel Hill, Josh Pastner went up there and said this team could make the Final Four. And at the time, we all kind of scoffed at him. But this is a guy who wore a face mask or a face shield and beat Coach K in Cameron. He knows what he's talking about as Carolina or as Carolina would go on to make the Final Four. Georgia Tech comes in with a pedestrian 6-3 and record. Their most impressive win came in their most recent outing, which was a two-point win over a not-so-good Georgia team. Their three losses have come to Utah, Marquette, and Iowa. Mm. And two of the three, they got absolutely blown out. But you and I are fans of Josh Pastner, um, the, the coach that he is on the court, and he's done some really nice things at a, at a tough place to win. He won an ACC tournament title two years ago. He He's taken this program back to the NCAA tournament. Um, but, but they do struggle to put the ball in the basket. They've only got three guys right now averaging double-figure scoring, led by Miles Kelly, who's averaging 13.4 points, 3.6 rebounds, one assist. He's shooting 43% from the field and 38% from three. They've got Dallin Coleman, 10.3 points, 2.7 rebounds, less than one assist a game. He's shooting 41% from the field and 33% from three. Then they have Devin Smith, who is scoring 10.1 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, 3.6 assists. He's averaging, he's shooting 44% from behind the line, but just 17% from behind the three-point line. The thing that Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech does really well that Carolina has to be prepared for is they're going to see a lot of different defenses. They're going to see man. They're going to see zone. They're going to see matchup zone. They're going to see full-court press, and they're going to see half-court traps, and and, that, and that's really who they are as a way to just take the, the, the rhythm and the flow out of the opponent on the offensive end, which really puts a premium 
on Carolina's guards. And Carolina's coming in with just a 5-4 and four record. Uh, they've lost four straight games, the longest such losing streak since losing seven in a row back in 2019-2020. And as I stated a little bit earlier in the show, Carolina has fallen outside of the AP Top 25 after less than two weeks ago being the number one team in the country. Carolina currently does have four guys averaging double figures, still led by Caleb Love's 19 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, three assists, but just shooting 41% from the field and 26% from behind the three-point line. Armando Baycott is averaging a double-double at 16.1 points, 11.1 rebounds, and shooting 55%. It is important to note, as of recording, His future is up in the air. We do not know, or his status is up in the air. We do not know if he is going to play in this game against Georgia Tech. Uh, Hubert Davis was optimistic, though, that roughly a week off from that shoulder injury would give him enough time to be healthy enough to play. R.J. Davis is the next guy in double figures, 15.4 points, 5 rebounds, 2.8 assists, just 40% from the field, 26% from three. And then you have Pete Nance averaging 12.9 points, 6.3 rebounds, 1.8 assists. He is shooting 49% from the field, but already down down to 40 or to 35% shooting from behind the three-point line. Carolina averages 19.9 free throws made per game, which is third best in the country, while attempting 26.4, which is ninth best in the country. And just some history with the matchup against Georgia Tech. We are 71 and 27 all time against the Yellow Jackets, including 31 and 6 in Chapel Hill, uh, while being 25 and 6 in the Smith Center. Unfortunately, uh, we were there for one of those six losses Ugh. in a game that Carolina would start out trailing 30 to 6, come all the way back, and they cut it to. I believe as little as six points in that second half before they ran out of steam. We're going to be at the game tomorrow. Hopefully we have a different outcome coming our, our way tomorrow afternoon in the Smith Center. Something I want to talk with you about, which I, I, I had a conversation with regarding Michael Norwood. And it was. Oh, yeah, I wasn't there for that. Yeah, one. I yeah. know. I mean, I, I invited you to do the interview. That's yeah. a lie. That's you, a bold face lie. You told me no. Wow. And, uh, so me wow. and Michael just sat here and talked okay. X's and the O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's about, about Carolina basketball. He thinks that Carolina's best lineups. And and I, you and I have kind of agreed with this, is with just a single big man on the court, whether that's Armando Baycott, whether that is Pete Nance. Oh, it's Armando Baycott. But he, he also really proposed the idea that, that that lineup that we talked about with Carolina playing small yep. doesn't include Puff Johnson. It actually does include Seth Trimble with Love, Davis, Trimble, Leakey at the four, and then Armando Baycott at the five. He didn't stop there, though. He went he went to as far as to say he could see a lineup that involves Love, Davis, Tremble, Puff, and Leaky. Let I mean marinate on that because I, 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 I gotta I, tell you, is that is that really what is what is the negative from that? Rebounding. Well are you sure? Is Pete Nance really that good of a rebounder? Is is how much of a difference is Pete Nance? inside with the way that he rebounds than the way that Puff. My thing with Puff 
you see the effort from Puff. There's times that he just can't beat guys because he's a little bit smaller. Dude, the thing with Pete Nance, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this. I think part of it is technique because I don't think he positions himself well. The other part of it is he just doesn't have the willingness to rebound. So to me, like, I don't think that's the most insane thing. Now, would I want that out there for an extended period of time? Probably not. Mm -hmm. You would probably want to see Armando Baycott. You'd love to see somebody else emerge down there. And, And look, the good news is Hubert actually said today, Jalen Washington, he 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 would be shocked if he doesn't play tomorrow. Really, he did. So I you, you, think, didn't, you didn't think to tell me that in the pre-show. This is why you weren't invited to the interview. How with do you uh, not, Michael how, Norwood? How do you not get the updates? Uh, I thought that you were the dude that knew everything. I got to tell you, I uh, I've had how many football storylines? I haven't missed a single one. You know, look when you're this doing is, as wow. Much, when you do as it's much as I do, yeah, in every capacity of where I am, you Dude, know, been a big week for you. Big where week I've been for you. involved, there's just not enough time, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. No, but in all seriousness, he is. Uh, th- there is a good chance he plays that's, tomorrow. That's so huge because the biggest thing that I think I've taken away from the start of this season, and 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 maybe this is why Hubert Davis was so animated and said that he's not going to do what he did with Will Shaver. Mm-hmm. which is bring that kid in, redshirt him, is that even with him being a part of the program for six months, he still came into this preseason not ready to contribute. And he, I mean, he he can't even be close, right? And we didn't see him at uh, How did you not put him in the game the other day if he is even remotely close? And the, the, the so, limited front court depth has, I mean, like Carolina yes. was so limited last year in the front court, and they were able to survive it. Because everybody just raised their 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 game to another level. We come back this year. There is more depth on the roster. Will Shaver is going to be a really good player here. I I firmly believe that. It's just not going to be in 2022, 2023. But because Pete Nance isn't Brady Manic, because Armando Baycott's been banged up, because teams are defending Love and Davis differently. They're not playing at the same level. Well, I think you could just you could literally just say because Pete Nance is not Brady Manic, that is the uh, really it was the cause of the issues early in the season mm-hmm. too. It's and I get it. It's going to take him time to settle in, but that is a loss that we. I, I'm not going to say we tried to pass it off as nothing. We we tried to say okay. Pete Nance is a guy that's still a legitimate transfer. I don't think we really realized just how important Brady Manick was to everything that happened a year ago. Just the way that the offense ran and the amount of success that it allowed those guards to have. Because as we've said multiple times, it looks like at times you're playing four on five offensively. There are times it looks like you're playing three on five because Puff really isn't all that involved in the offense, yeah. too. That's the part that I think is really hurting this team. Oh, no, there's no doubt about that because our guys aren't good enough to play one-on-one ball. And there's no. nothing There's nothing wrong with that. Carolina as a program isn't structured to have guys play isolation ball. You can do it from time to time, and there are certainly times that Carolina has had players that you could run ISO action for. There's no one on this roster, though, that you're isolating and saying you can go take over a game 
and can and play at a really high level for 40 minutes. Caleb Love can do it in spurts. Mm-hmm. He can do it in stretches. But once it once it goes cold, it goes cold. And so the the, the return of the potential return of Jalen Washington, I think, is going to do a lot of different things. I think if Jalen Washington is ready to play tomorrow, I don't think Pete Nance starts. Because now you've got two guys that can bring off the bench. And and because that 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 lineup switch at this point it feels like a necessity. Who are you saying starts? I if if I was Hubert Davis, I would still start Puff Johnson. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Because okay. of what he does for you defensively, he adds a cutter to your offense, which is something that Carolina just needs someone to go get them an yes. easy basket or two. Yes. He 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 provides something on the offensive glass. My my biggest issue with committing to that that lineup long term is how how do you run offense for 40 minutes at a high level playing 3 3 on 5 like you you can lose you can use leaky and puff as screeners and stuff like that but at some point those guys are going to have to take big shots for you and leaky's gotten a lot better at it this year i mean that 3 against alabama was a really big shot he's confident right now in taking those shots but we also know that there have been times where he hasn't been confident, and it's really been a big reason why Carolina's offense will stall out at certain points. So that's going to be something that leading up to the game, um, I'll, I'll be keeping my eye on because I do firmly believe that that's probably the reason why he hasn't made that lineup a, a switch yet because he, he already has a lack of depth in the front court. Um, but if he gets Jalen Washington back and he can go, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Pete Nance start coming off the bench for Hubert Davis. So with that, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you this week's ad from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll give our keys to the game and pick the game right here on the Four Corners Podcast. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. Whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you right here on the Four Corners podcast. 
And same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Well, if if last year Huber Davis's phrase was energy, effort, and toughness, this year he has a new one. We're going to call it the three E's. And energy and effort are the first two. The third one is enthusiasm. And he said that countless times after postgame losses, his first radio show was on Monday. You heard that phrase countless times again. And Carolina has got to start finding the joy in playing basketball. This is a fun game. It's a beautiful game. And when you play it at a really high level, it's it's a lot of fun. The fans are going to have a lot of fun watching you. And because we're Carolina and we've got talent, we're probably going to win a lot more than what we're doing right now. And for the sake of my sleep, I need this team to win because my sleep is giving me becoming less than less. <laughs> you you look at those last 10 minutes at Virginia Tech. And, and I know it came up in, in a loss and we're not here for we're, we're not we're not a moral victory program. We're not NC State. But you look at those 10 minutes and you just wonder if they bottle that up and they use that as a springboard, what does that do for this team? Seth Trimble, I mean, the, 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 the basketball account put out a social media quote with him saying, we have to look ourselves in the mirror, look at those 10 minutes and say, this is the team that we are. And I think we're all pretty that's a, confident. That's a freshman, by the way. Yeah, which is, speaks volumes. Um, I, I think that if, if, if Carolina can do that starting on Saturday and you look at those 10 minutes and this team defends and the ball moves – and you're getting good looks at the rim, and you're getting stops on defense, and you're getting out and running, you're going to see the type of team that we thought we were going to see when the season started, starting in this game against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely possible. And look, one of the guys that I think you've got to sort of look to, uh, him and, and the guy that played the other day for you down the stretch, is Seth Trimble and Tyler Nickel, they brought energy. They looked like guys that wanted to be out there, that were ready for their opportunity to play. And look, I'm not saying that you have to give these guys, you know, 30 minutes in this game. But let's utilize those guys. They proved to you the other day that they have the skill set to be put in this game. They're going to defend at a high level. They're going to do what they have to do to try to create shots for themselves. I liked what I saw from them the other day. And the other thing is, Hubert, in his press conference today, which you did not see, and I did, just want to make that clear, uh, he did say that they are going to sort of continue to do to, to mix up what they've done defensively, um, especially with that full-core press, because he said he liked the way that it looked against Alabama, and he liked the way that it looked the other day against Virginia Tech. So expect to see that at some point, I think, here on on Saturday. I'm not sure how often we'll see it, how long they'll be in it, but I think that they are going to try to throw some different things at him, and ultimately I think Hubert is doing what you're saying. He's kind of trying to gather at whatever that was in that final 10 minutes of that game and let's try to spread it out as as evenly as we can throughout 40 minutes. Well, if history does serve me correct, uh, when Hubert listens to the things that I say, the the you know the results are pretty good. 
because he started listening to what I was saying last year, and we went from out of the tournament to a box out away from a national championship. That's that's exactly what he said. I mean, I know, uh, you know, my our our guy Jones Angel, uh, he told us on the side that look, if it wasn't for your words of encouragement. He, he, he wouldn't have been able to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, it's all because of you, man. I, I, that, that's what I think. Um, the second thing for Carolina in this game is play fast but play patient on offense. Georgia Tech is going to throw as many defensive looks at you that Carolina has seen all season long. Here's the good news. Carolina has seen a lot of defensive looks. You go back to James Madison – and I told you why, I, you know, as much as that second half was uneven for Carolina, seeing that three-quarter court pressure was going to come in handy, guess what? Three weeks later, Carolina is now going to see something similar to that, and they'll have a history of saying, we know how to break this thing down. Michael Norwood said one of the things that they got to start doing on offense is getting into their offense quicker. You're getting into your offense with 10 to 12 seconds on the shot clock, and you're still 25 to 30 feet away from the basket. There's got to be a higher sense of urgency on that end of the floor. But they don't need to get hurried up by being full-court pressed, by being trapped at the half court. You're going to see a matchup zone, which Georgia Tech will trap out of or double-team out of. And this is where Carolina's experience has to really come, come to fruition. It has to show up because – Carolina saw this same stuff last year, mm-hmm. and they decimated Georgia Tech twice. One time in their building, one time in ours. So I want this team to play faster on offense, but play with patience. And I think if they do that, they'll get a lot more quality looks at the rim, and that gives them a much better chance to see the ball go through the basket. I mean, it's what I've been talking about all year. It's that you've got to, especially when you are on the offensive end of the floor you have to choose when you are going to play fast you've got to pick your moments and the biggest thing is in order to get out and run which i think this team needs to do you have to create some turnovers something that you haven't really done a good job of so far this year but yes that it, you you don't want to be out of control because we've seen that at times from this team. I mean, we saw it. We saw it the other day against Virginia Tech. One of the reasons why they got in an early hole was because they were trying to to move things too quickly out of the gate. You turn it over five times in in the first before the first TV timeout. Like, those are the things you are trying to avoid if you're this Carolina team. So, yes, you want to play with a little bit of pace, but at the same time, you don't want to be going through things so fast that it is just a mistake-riddled game. Um, I think what you talked about, the fact that you saw this team twice last year, you should be able to pull a lot of things from that. Um, This team, I mean, look, it's – I think – you would hope, at least for Josh Pastner's sake, that they are better than they were a year ago. I will say this though: um, if you're look, if you're listening to this, Josh Pastner, the last guy that we supported at Georgia Tech that we said we really liked, thought could be a good coach, uh, that didn't work out too well for him. Jeff Collins currently without a job, uh, so <laughs> you know, hopefully our endorsement doesn't do that to him. But um, I I do think that. Carolina will be prepared for what they are going to throw their way. 
I don't think that this team is as talented defensively as Indiana to where I, I think part of that was Carolina wasn't prepared for what Indiana threw at them. The other part of it is that Indiana just has tremendous athletes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just it's really just about being smart. And, and part of it is also what you said, too, that Michael Norwood said. You have to get into your offense quicker. There are so many times where you have that high screen set, you could drive straight to the basket. But they wait pull it back out, and then, okay, we're going to reset and we'll wait to get into our offense again. You've got to be more decisive. That's what I want to see from these guards. You have to make decisions quicker than you've been making them because right now you're hesitating and it is the, the offense is incredibly stagnant because of it. The last key for Carolina to win this game yeah, you probably figured what it's going to be. It's going to be rebounding. Oh, I was going to say ball moving could be up there too, but yeah. Carolina's been out-rebounded in five of the nine games. That's over half. And that's, I'm going to be blunt. That's frankly inexcusable. At this university in a program that values rebounding the way that we do, there is, there's no excuse for it. So I asked Michael Norwood, which the fact that I keep referencing this this interview should encourage you guys to want to go listen to it because he was really— He's pretty good at what he does. He was really guys. fantastic, and he's going to be doing this all season long, coming on to break down the X's and the O's with us. A lot, and, he, and the Jimmy's in the gym. He said a lot of it is is the scheme. Is, 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 is it technique? Yes. Is it effort? Yes. But also some of the scheming that— the way Carolina played under Roy Williams with having two guys on the block at all times mm-hmm. made it easier to rebound the ball. Now we play four around one, and most teams on, uh, uh, that we're playing against play four around one. There's less guys at the basket to get the ball, which then puts the, 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 the premium on the effort. And there's just been too many times this year that Carolina hasn't dove for that extra loose ball. They haven't tried to chase it down. They haven't gone the extra step, gone the extra mile. And it's really frustrating because that's what cost this team a national t- a national championship a year ago. If this team gets out-rebounded again, I am going to blow it. I'm going to have an aneurysm. I am going to lose oh my mind. All right, well, I'm going to call the doctor, just have one standby just in case. So... I, I just feel like if Carolina plays with energy, effort, and enthusiasm, and they're patient on offense, and they win the rebounding battle, you're going to have a really hard time showing me a pathway to a Georgia Tech victory tomorrow afternoon in the Smith Center. Well, see, here's the thing. If I was on that edition of the podcast, I would have been able to ask Michael Norwood what is so different from last year? Because they they played basically four around one last year as well. Um, I know that Brady Manick was probably a better rebounder than we realized, but he still wasn't a traditional big like you had with Roy Williams. I think, and yes, scheme definitely is a factor for why you're not doing what you did under Roy Williams. But I think, again, it goes back to the fact that Pete Nance is just not able to handle himself physically and technically on the glass. And you just, you've got to see them take a step. The thing that scares me the most about this Georgia Tech team, they don't have anybody that's absolutely burning it up on the glass. 
Their leading rebounder is averaging 7.2 a game. But they've got a lot of different guys that get involved rebounding-wise. And that's what you need from Carolina, too. But again, unless you can start to show something on the offensive end and get that get get them in a rhythm and not have to force things as much as you do, it's hard to it's it's hard to see these guards really getting that involved because they are putting so much energy into the offensive end of the floor while the big guys are having to put most of the energy in on the defensive end of the floor. That's where I think right now there is a disconnect and and the reason why they are struggling. You need everybody to be bought in on the glass when you're running this type of four-round-one scheme. So we'll have to see. They got to bring it in this game because this is a team that likes to rebound that way. Um, You don't know if you're going to have Armando Baycott. If you do, you probably feel a lot more confident about this. But in my mind, if you're this team sitting here tonight, you have to be prepared as if we're not going to have Armando tomorrow. So we've got to come out and bring the effort all around on the glass. Because you're right. If this team has a performance even anywhere near what we saw the other day, if this team has another half where they do not have an offensive rebound, it is going to be a long, long day. Carolina enters, believe it or not, with an 85.7% chance to win this game according to ESPN's matchup predictor. I'll simply ask you, co-host, buddy, friend, pal, non-interviewer, does Carolina snap the four-game losing streak with yours truly in attendance? Uh, Yeah, no, I think they do. I I, I think... This week off was probably the best thing that could have happened for this team. Because one of the other issues that is not getting talked about enough with that losing streak is the fact that all four of those games came away from Chapel Hill. There wasn't really a lot of downtime in between those games either. Hubert Davis talked about it, and Randolph Childress was talking about it the other day on the broadcast. This team has not had really any time to try to fix the issues that they have been having they haven't had a ton of practice time well this week they did so ultimately I feel look I think how this game ends up playing out I would still pick Carolina even if Armando doesn't play but his status is going to be very important for how this game plays out um either way I I do think Carolina does enough to win this game I'm I'm just hoping that Hubert sticks to what he has told us, you know, what he told us today, that you will see some different things defensively to try to keep teams off balance. And I, I, I just hope that we can get at least one of the guards to have a good day overall. Now, I was going to say good shooting day, but at this point, I don't really know what you would quantify that as. You just need one of those guys to have a really good day. And to me, that is get to the basket and either finish or get to the free throw line. You've proven that you can do that. That's the strength of your team. Now use that strength. I think Carolina wins because they're they're too good to lose – Five in a row. I, I said they were also too good to lose four in a row. 
I do think they stopped the Schneid. This team at home under Hubert Davis has always been different. This game is at home. Um, and, and I think the week off, having some time to first off get healthy, get their legs back underneath them, look at the film, really break down what's going right, what's going wrong, and address it. I think Hubert Davis is going to be in their be in their rear ends a little bit. He's going to have a chance to challenge them. It's almost a reset for Carolina in a lot of different ways. And I think you're going to see a different team on the court tomorrow afternoon. And I think about 5.15 or so, we'll be singing rah-rah Carolina Lina to a Carolina victory. And that is the hope and prayer because uh, while I'm not panicking and I'm not pressing the alarm button on the season – um, those quit, of, quit shaking your leg over there. You know, those of you that have been with us since we were the Roy's Boys podcast, I don't handle losing all that well, so I don't want to have to do <laughs> no another losing podcast. And so I do think Carolina will get back in the win column once again tomorrow afternoon. Well, no matter what happens, we will have you covered on the Four Corners podcast where it's been a hectic week mainly on the football side of things, where Carolina lost over 10 players to the transfer portal. They lost their offensive coordinator and their offensive line coach to Wisconsin. Two, well, two commitments in the 2023 they class. Got, they lost that as well. But most importantly, they did get the recommitment of Drake May to be back within the program next season. Find all that coverage. Ashton has a breakdown of the first nine games of the basketball season for Carolina. And, of course, I'll be getting you ready for Georgia Tech and have something written up for you after the game as well. All that great football and basketball coverage over at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But most importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any game preview any game recap, or any interview like the ones I did with Isaac Shade and Michael Norwood. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that. 